Hey guys, what is up? I hope you're all well. Um, I've got a fancy lighting set up this evening, which is made up of the good old iPhone, which has its torch, and I'm sitting in the dark, so that's why we're doing that. Um, and I think the lighting actually makes the video somewhat look better than the, the weird yellowy, orangey lighting that comes from the lamp above. But anyway, today, what we're gonna be talking about um, you you may have you may have come from the article. You may have come directly here to the podcast, or you may have come directly here to the video. So I don't know where you are consuming this content, whether it's podcast or video. But regardless, you're not going to need video for this if you would rather listen in podcast format. If you're looking for the more you know, sit down. This is the information. Boom, boom, boom. Then you can go to the article and read it there. But what we're going to be talking about is specialization and de-emphasizing certain muscle groups within your program, okay? Because this is a, a, this is something that I get asked about a lot from clients, but also from people on the interwebs, and also something that I feel I've fallen into the trap of myself. And the trap I'm talking about is trying to get better at everything at once, okay? And we generally think about that in terms of maybe trying to improve our one rep max while trying to increase muscle size, or trying to get a better time in our 10k while also trying to maximize the strength of our quads. So we try to have all of the goals but no priority, okay? And if you want to get the most from your muscle mass and you wish to maximize your hypertrophy, get the most progress, then you need to be thinking about what body parts you wish to actually prioritize during a certain period of time, okay? Because when you're a beginner, you know, it's absolutely fine, it's not a problem. You can kind of do a few sets for everything and just get away with it and everything's gonna grow. You know, I remember when I was a beginner and, you know, thinking I was gonna be the biggest bodybuilder in the world and I would do, you know, always do some abs at the end of a workout, always do some calves at the end of a workout, train things specifically like rear delts and you know, you're, tra you're training every specific part of a muscle group and you're doing a couple of sets for everything and you think, you know, that's the path to growth. But as you get stronger, as you progress more, as gains start to become more minimal and you start you start essentially needing more volume to actually c continue progressing, you end up in this position where, all right, I can't do 15, 20 sets a week for every muscle group, okay? Not that everything needs that, I'm just giving you an example. I can't do that for every muscle group, so where do I go from here? You know, and people end up in this trap where they try and do maybe, let's say, they, let's say they normally do 15 sets for back per week. They end up trying to do that for back, for chest, for shoulders, for quads, for hamstrings, for calves, for abs, for everything, all right? And it's simply not practical, okay? So a nice framework for this when thinking about specialization is to pick one to two muscle groups, probably, probably two, maybe three at most, that you wish to prioritize within this training phase, okay? And then what you wanna do is add in one maybe supplementary muscle group, a smaller muscle group that may have a supplementary effect on your training within the gym, either from a, a function or aesthetic or strength perspective, or on some of the things that you do outside of the gym. So, for example, maybe you are a runner and you want to strengthen your hip flexors or your tibialis anterior. Okay, then you pick one of those muscle groups as your supplementary muscle group. Okay, because you know, th there are muscle groups that are being trained to some degree, maybe in other exercises, or maybe it's through the actual activity itself. But 
at certain periods of time, you wish to prioritize them a little bit more, okay? So the typical one that tends to come up in, in, in terms of secondary muscle groups, and, and it's not, I'm just putting them in boxes for convenience as opposed to them being different muscles, but the abs, for example, okay? So th this was actually what sparked me having this conversation was having a discussion with a client who asked, why is there no direct core or ab work on this phase of my program, okay? So sometimes on people's programs, when I'm programming for them, what I'll do is maybe include abs for a certain phase, maybe for two phases in a row, whatever duration, six to 12 weeks, and then maybe we'll take them out again for a while, and then maybe put them back in in another while. Or, you know, some people like doing them all the time, that's totally okay, we'll keep them in there. It really depends on the person's goals, okay? But most people, they don't come for training and say that I want to gain the maximum amount of muscle on my abs. It's generally not a goal, therefore it goes to the bottom of the pile in terms of priorities because the core musculature, you know, the obliques, the transverse abdominis, the abs, etc., they're all being trained to some degree in other exercises, especially those that require a lot of intra-abdominal pressure, a lot of stability at the trunk. So they are getting some sort of stimulus, they're just not being trained through their full range, okay? So what we have to remember is that it is much easier to preserve a muscle's strength and hypertrophy and general capacity than it is to actually get there in the first place, okay? So you may need a certain amount of volume to gain a certain amount of muscle mass, but you need a lot less volume to actually maintain that muscle mass, hence why you don't need to do the same amount of work to keep it, hence why you see people at the pool, you know, who don't really train that much anymore, maybe two or three days a week, they look great, and then you say to them, oh, what's your training like? And they're like, oh, I train two or three days a week. You know, you see this on Instagram all the time, and then you actually look back and you realize, oh, but you were training five or six days a week for years on end before this. You kind of forgot to mention that. <laughs> okay, so to get back on track to our kind of protocol, the way we're kind of thinking about it, we've got those muscles that were specializing, okay? And the reason I talked a little bit about de-emphasis was there was because this is where it becomes important. So if you're gonna specialize with certain muscle groups, for example, let's say you want to bring up your chest and your biceps this training phase you might want to allocate more volume to those body parts during this training phase, but what you will then need to do is allocate a little less volume to other body parts, okay? Because while certain tissues, certain you know local areas of the body will have their own individual recovery capacities, you also have a total systemic recovery capacity, okay? So for example, if you go and do loads and loads and loads of sets of heavy squats, okay? Let's say you do 20 sets of heavy squats today, and I tell you to go and train chest later on. You're probably not gonna be able to perform very well, okay? Because there is a systemic effect of any training stimulus, okay? So it's not solely a local effect. So you have to be thinking about how your program is set up as a whole, and then how those prioritized body parts actually fit in, okay? So if you're increasing your sets for chest and biceps, then you then want to decrease the amount of sets that you have for back and shoulders and quads, for example, because what that then allows you to do is allocate a little bit more of your quote-unquote recovery resources towards those body parts that you're prioritizing, okay? So what you're then doing is saying, these are my goals, these are where I'm going to put more of my mental and physical energy for both performance and recovery, and then I'm gonna take those benefits, and then, you know, if you want to go on and do two phases in a row for the same body parts, that's cool, and then, or, or alternatively, what you could do is take a step back and say, okay, cool, you know, I'm actually happy 
with the progress I made in my chest and bicep development during that phase. So now actually I want to bring up my uh, upper traps a little bit more and my hamstrings. So, so now I'm going to allocate a little bit more volume to them, for, to them and then pull back on the chest and bicep work. And you can do that throughout different training phases over time and it's totally okay and you're going to continue making progress because what you have to realize is that you're essentially saying, you know what, for the next six weeks, I'm okay if I just kind of maintain the muscle size or strength of my back because I'm trying to progress my chest a bit more. And then what you do in the next phase, you say, all right, it's, it's back time, baby. It's time to start hitting that back a bit more. And then you prioritize that for a while. And each time you make these small little steps up, you maintain for a while, small little step up, maintain for a while. And it's obviously a simpli simplistic view of, of how it works internally, but I think it's a nice way of going about things because it allows you to see a little bit more progress for certain body parts or strength in the short term because you're prioritizing them a bit more and then you're shifting gears a little bit as opposed to kind of making really slow progress in everything at the same time. Okay, so you don't really have a focus because you're kind of trying to do everything. So I think it's a nice way of looking at things and I think that a lot of clients that I have worked with have actually liked this approach. Now, I'm not saying it's for everyone, okay, because I do have a lot of clients and we have a lot of clients at Triage who maybe are closer to the beginner end of the spectrum and we needn't really focus on specifics. But as you become a more intermediate to advanced lifter, it does become a little bit more important to prioritize. And it's not just about hypertrophy either. It's not just about muscle size. It's also about your actual strength. So for example, I have one client and one of our goals was to really work on his bench press. Okay, so we really wanted to bring up his bench press a bit more. So during that time, we were not focused so much on his squat and his deadlift and his other lifts and his back development and stuff because what we were saying is, this is really our goal. So we were, you know, allocating more frequency. So he was benching three times a week. We were allocating more intensity, more volume towards his, his chest development and his bench press development. And we had great results from that. And then we could come to the end of the point where he, he he's kind of, well, right now he's kind of reaching the, the, the point we really wanted him to get to because we got to, you know, one point where he hit his one rep max goal and we were like, you know what? Let's work towards this for five. So we're getting there. And once we're there, we're like, you know what? Now let, let's, let's work on that squat goal a bit more. Let's work on maybe a deadlift goal a bit more because the, it actually keeps training a little bit more interesting, especially from a strength perspective. And on that note of strength as well, maybe some of you here are into powerlifting or you're just generally into improving your strength on this squat, bench and deadlift. You know, a lot of people fall into that trap of trying to improve their squat, bench and deadlift at the same time. And they're saying, oh, I'm trying to prioritize strength on those. But what you'll find is that if you have specific phases where you're focused more on one lift or two at most, like you probably don't want to focus on squat and deadlift at the same time, just because of crossover and fatigue. But if you if you prioritize one lift at a time, you'll make far better progress and it's easy to maintain that and then step to the next lift and move forward, especially if you are more advanced, okay? So I think that's a nice way of thinking about things. And the big thing that people worry about is the de-emphasis. So they worry that they're going to lose too much strength. They worry that they're going to lose too much muscle mass. But again, you do not need as much volume or as much intensity to maintain a certain fitness characteristic as you do to actually get there in the first place. Okay? And you've probably found that. You know, you've probably found that over time, the more competent you've become in a certain lift, like for example, if we, if we think about your fitness characteristic as being just skill, 
right, the skill of the squat, okay? When you're a beginner lifter, if you take a few weeks off from the squat, you go back to it and you feel like it's totally new again, okay? Because you didn't really develop that skill, you didn't refine it enough to really be able to come back to it and to fall back into it. Whereas when you're more advanced, taking two weeks off from a skill perspective, you come back into the squat, like yeah, the weights are going to feel a little bit heavy, but that skill development comes back a little bit faster because you've already got all of those things in check, okay? So don't worry about the de-emphasis, don't worry about losing your muscle mass over short periods of time, especially when you're doing a, still doing a decent amount of volume. Like I'm not suggesting that because you're doing 20 sets for chest that you only do two sets for back. Like it might be a case of going from 15 to 10 or you know 12 to 8 or however m much volume you do. You can make those adjustments, see how it affects you and you probably find that you need a lot less volume to actually maintain your muscle mass than you think you do. Um, and then the other point was in relation to those supplementary muscle groups, okay? Because I think that's an important one as well, is that a lot of people think that, the abs in particular, particular, a lot of people think that they need to be hammering their abs all the time because a lot of people have an aesthetic goal to actually see their abs. And number one, you know, seeing your abs is all about body fat percentage. Like realistically, that's the most important thing. And then obviously, it is still important to have sufficient muscle development for them to look impressive in terms of being bigger sticking out more like that is important but it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be hammered with ridiculous amounts of volume because from an aesthetic perspective which is what a lot of people are looking for let's be real from an aesthetic perspective like the return on investment from hammering your abs all the time isn't going to be that big like it's not going to be a night and day difference if you add the tiniest little bit of muscle mass to your abs because they're, they're not a a massively thick muscle group anyway. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And it's the same for any other muscle group. So for example, if you are training your hip flexors, okay, you needn't, like if you're training hip flexors for the, for the perspective, from the, ugh, from the perspective of a runner, so you want to condition those, muscle, those muscles a little bit more. Like maybe you do want to have a phase of 12 weeks, let's say, where you want to allocate a little bit more work towards them, you want to really build them up a bit more. Maybe you're doing a little bit less running at the time. That's a good. That's a good period of time to actually slot that in. And then maybe when you're in your most intense phase of running, for example, if you're a marathon runner and you're currently doing like I don't know 100 kilometers a week. <laughs> all right, you're doing 100 kilometers a week of a week of running. That may be the time then where you say, all right, let's actually pull back the hip flexor specific training a little bit because I'm actually already doing them as part of my training here. Okay, so you're, you're already hammering them through sports specific work, your actual running. So you, you needn't actually, are you, you need, not just that you needn't, but you also might want to add in a lot of extra work through specific strengthening. Okay, um, and it goes for a lot of other muscle groups as well. Okay, so it may be things like your hip abductors specifically. So maybe you want to actually train hip abduction for a while specifically, hip adduction for a while specifically. You might want to train your rotator cuff specifically. All of those things are things you can slot in from time to time depending on what your actual needs are. For example, like if you know that you get a lot of, you know that you're developing shoulder pain from the upper body work that you're doing, you feel that your volume is appropriate, you feel that maybe for whatever reason, maybe a physio has suggested it to you, that your rotator cuff musculature might be a little bit weak. Maybe you've assessed your external rotation, it's quite weak, okay? So you might want to say, all right, cool, let's actually strengthen that now for a while. We want to add some strength to my shoulder external rotation. I'm going to do that for 12 weeks, see what happens, 
and then you can just maintain it, okay? Because you're not gonna need as much to actually maintain that strength. Because number one, your rotator cuff is going to be active in any sort of movement involving the shoulder that you do. Therefore, it is being stimulated. But the whole point that maybe it was a potential source of pain in the first place was that it was being overworked because it wasn't able to tolerate the loads you were putting on it. But now what you've done is strengthen it up to be able to tolerate those loads. And hence, it is sort of training for them, at least from a maintenance perspective. Maybe it is a case that every two weeks, you wanna do a little bit of extra external rotation work to make, to make sure that you know you are maintaining that strength. Like maybe you hit a PB on your sideline shoulder external rotations and you don't wanna lose that. Um, but, but what you have to realize as well is that you're not just going to lose that shoulder external rotation range of range of motion, you know, because you, you are probably going to be using it. For example, if you're in 90 degrees of abduction, so if you're watching the video, that's up here, and, and you're in this position doing a shoulder press, then you're, you're, you're in there. You're in most of your external rotation range of motion. So you're there at the, at the range of motion that you actually own. And you're working through that using the shoulder joint with the rotator cuff highly active. Okay, so that's just one example. And there are countless examples throughout the body. Um, but yeah, hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight into how you might specialize, how, how you might you know, prioritize certain muscle groups, how you might de-emphasize others, and also a bit of a framework to work with. So for example, you know, having phases where you focus on one to two at the most three body parts over the others, allowing the others to maintain for a while, and then you know, having those supplementary muscle groups that you're keeping in the back of your mind and you're saying, all right, you know what, these are the things that I, that I wanna do a little bit more work for, for whatever reason. Maybe it's injury prevention, maybe it's rehabilitation, um, and maybe it is just for the purpose of aesthetics. So I hope that helps you out, guys. Um, I hope you found some value there, and yeah, I'll be catching you again very soon.